What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Hope Huddle Podcast, your place for inspiration, hope, and empowerment. Some of the most dangerous phrases that you'll ever hear in our English language are the following. Quote, I've always done it this way, so I'm going to just keep doing it this way. I've always been this way, so I'm going to just keep being this way. I'll never change, so I might as well just stay the same. Those are the most dangerous phrases that you can hear coming out of the mouths of people. I've always been this way. I'll never change. I've always done it this way. It's dangerous when you hear people speak like that because it tells you where their mindset is. It tells you where the heart is. It tells you how they will conduct their lives, how they will go about their relationships, how they will go about their relationship with God or the lack thereof. You would notice a pattern and cycle when you hear people talk this way. I've always been this way. I'll never change. Your emotions are dictated. Your mindset, your behavior tied to an identity that you've built because you were born a certain way. And those might be facts. You know how people say facts. Those might be facts that the reason you are that you are is because you were born into the family that you were born into. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, look at my mom and my dad. That's why I'm the way that I am. Look at my crazy uncle. That's why I'm exactly like him. Look at my auntie. That's why I'm the way that I am. Look at my grandparents. That's why I'm the way that I am. Those might be facts, but I want to tell you a truth that overrides the facts, and that is, although you were born that way, you can be born again. I want to let somebody know that although you were born into the family that you were born into, born into the culture that you were born into, came from the place that you grew up, you grew up in the project section A, and and you grew up in, in the suburbs, wherever it is that you come from, wherever it is that you were raised, it doesn't matter where you were born, it doesn't matter who you were born into, the family that you were, uh, uh, that you're a part of, the fact of the matter is, the Bible lets us know, Jesus lets us know, according to John chapter 3 that we can be born again that means that we can be transformed that means that we can be changed that means that we can be a new creation and I thank God for that y'all giving me golf claps you ever watch golf and they he just hit the par four come on y'all better stop playing with me Anybody grateful that you don't have to stay the same? Anybody grateful that we have a Jesus that lets us know if any person be in Christ, he is a he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are made new. It doesn't matter how your grandma raised you. Don't matter where you were born. You can be born again. And I thank God for that. I thank God that you don't have to stay stuck 
in the place that you've been. I thank God that you don't have to stay surrounded in the environments that you've been, that have been toxic, that have held you back, that have held you bound. If you only allow yourself to be set free. But here is the challenge. We often have the opportunity to be set free, but we ourselves put us back into the bondage out of the very thing that God took us out of. We put ourselves back in it. Knowing good and well, God snatched you out of that relationship. Talking about he loved you. Talking about, she talking about I'll never leave you. And you know good and well. I know, I know it's getting awkward up in here. It's all right. I'm going to just talk to my, I got, I got an online church. They watch me on YouTube. I ain't worried. I ain't scared of y'all. I'm a t- I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, can I speak how, how, how the Lord gave me this thing? All right, all right. Good, knowing good and well, God snatched you out of that relationship. Knowing good and well, God snatched you out of that job. Knowing good and well that God removed you from that toxic atmosphere and environment. Knowing good and well that God removed you and stripped people away that you thought they would stay. But God had to strip them away and you were asking God why did you do it he wanted to get your attention God why did I lose that job God why did I break up with them God why am I missing this God why do I seem like I'm locking he, he just wanted to get your attention because as long as you were in that place you will keep going in the same direction that you were going in. So God had to take some things away so that he can make you turn direction towards his purpose in your life, towards his calling for your life, towards a relationship with him. It's dangerous when God takes us out of these things and we put ourselves back in bondage. In fact, we've been in a series over the last month in Galatians. We've been really getting deep in the book of Galatians, specifically chapter five, and we've been looking at the fruit of the spirit. It's not fruits, it's one fruit, different aspects, and we've been breaking down the different aspects of the fruit. It's like different seeds in one fruit, if you will. And so we've been looking at the different aspects of the fruit of the spirit and how powerful it is how one decision can totally radically transform your life. The decision to serve Jesus can radically transform your life. If you really, if you really sincerely, genuinely say, Jesus, here is my life. Jesus, here I am. I surrender my will to you, God. Jesus, I'm tired of doing it my way. Jesus, I'm tired of doing things the same old, same old. I need you. When you sincerely do that, it is amazing what he will do in your life. He gives you. He indwells you with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. He indwells us with the gift of the Holy Spirit. But it's not just that. We've been looking at the scripture, and let's put it up here in Galatians chapter 5. When he indwells you with the gift of the Spirit, this is amazing that when you sincerely give your life to God and live a life of total surrenderance, here is what your life will produce. This is amazing, but the fruit of the Spirit is, come on, let's read it together. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Okay, come on. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He's letting you know that the gift of the Spirit within you, if you just yield to Him, He can produce this in your life. Some of y'all looking at that like, okay, let me do this quick checklist. All right, I need love. Okay, I definitely don't have joy. Lord have mercy, that job taking away my peace. Forbearance, that's patience. We talked about the last time. Some of y'all, some of y'all know how y'all doing traffic. Uh, 
kindness. Woo, Lord, you know I need help in that area. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Within your strength, you will never live a life full of these things. You can try. I've been, it sounds like a song. I've been to a lot of places. I've seen a lot of things. I met a lot of people. I'm not going to get into the details. Those who are close to me know the people that I've sat and had dinner with, the places that I've been, the people that I've seen, the people I've encountered. Let me tell you, doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter how much fame you have, doesn't matter how much popularity, how many double taps you get on, how many people view you, it don't, it don't, it don't, it don't matter. You will never be able to fully accomplish these things unless it's by the Spirit of God. He says you can live a life not just with a little bit of these things, a life that is full of these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So in the book of Galatians, is it all right if I teach? Is it all right if I teach? Okay, let me, let me ask the back because I know the front's with me. Is it all right if I teach? Just nod your head. Say yes. Amen. Dude, let's practice that one time. A good churchy amen. Give me a good amen. Okay. Just give me a quick smile. Let me know. Sometimes you got to remind your face you're happy to be alive. All right. All right. Good. Let me teach a little bit. Galatians chapter 5. The apostle Paul had, had raised up churches in the, in, in the province of Galatia. And, and he, had built, he had built up these churches. He had church planted. Amazing man of God. And so he had built up these churches. And he had taught them the true gospel. Taught them doctrine. The word of God. He had strengthened them spiritually. He went away for some time on his other missions. And what he found out was that there were some Judaizers. These Judaizers were false teachers that were creeping up in the church. And they were spreading these toxic teachings in the church that he had worked so hard to teach, train, equip, and build up for the glory of God. And so here they are. They let these Judaizers, false teachers, creep in into the church, and they started spreading this false teaching. They were teaching this because they were stuck on, uh, they were Jewish teachers, and so they were stuck on the law, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. They were stuck on fulfilling 600, check this out, 613 laws according to the Jewish custom. There were 613 laws. They said, listen, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to destroy it or do away with it. He came to fulfill it. But, but here's the thing. You can receive Jesus, but the thing is, see, we like, the, we like to do things the old-fashioned way. So you got to receive Jesus, but you still have to practice the law. This is what they were teaching. Not knowing that Paul had, inspired by the Holy Spirit, had already taught them that, that salvation comes by faith through grace in Jesus Christ alone, not by any works. In other words, there is nothing you can do to obtain salvation. There is absolute, but pastor, I'm a good person, I do my good deeds. There is nothing you can do to measure up to the standard of God's goodness to earn your salvation. The only way that we could obtain it was by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Someone say alone. It was the only thing, but they were teaching Jesus and you gotta do some stuff extra in order to get it. Can I tell you, this is what's crazy. Can I tell you in particular what they said that they had to do? They still had to practice circumcision because that was a Jewish custom. Can you imagine coming to the Lord being 40 years old, 50 years old, 20, 30 years old? My fellas are looking awkward over there. Y'all thinking about it. They were saying in order for you to be saved, you can receive Jesus, but you still have to practice circumcision. 
now listen, I would do anything for the Lord, but if at that age, you know, if you're a baby, all right, but if you're 50 years old and ain't gone through that procedure, I gotta do this to be saved. So these Judaizers were spreading these teachings. You have to work at it. You have to do deeds. But here is, here's, the, here's, here's the kicker. Here's what it boils down to, and I'm doing some teaching here. Jesus said something interesting in John chapter 15. And it's not up here. I want you to listen to it as I, as I read it out loud. He says something interesting in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said, in verse 5, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Here it is. Apart from me, some of y'all know this scripture, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is telling his disciples, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you're going to bear much, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, hold up, Jesus. You're messing me up because I do a whole lot of things without you. I can get ready without you. I can brush my teeth without you. I can go to work without you. I can drive by myself. I, uh, uh, I can reach happiness by myself. I can reach happiness when I go out and turn up. I can obtain joy based on my achievements and success. I'm popular enough, Jesus. I could do a whole lot of things without you. I'm living my life and I'm good. I'm straight. I could do a whole lot of things. That's not what he's talking about. He knows, he knew very good and well that the disciples, they could do daily activities without him. What he's talking about is you can never have anything of spiritual and eternal value without him. That's what he was talking about. You cannot live up to the standard of God on your own. You'll hear a lot of people, if you ask them, are you a good person? What's everybody going to tell you? They're going to tell you yes. But let me tell you God's standard of good. There are 40 to 50 synonyms for good. You might be good in your eyes. But God's standard, the Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways. I wish, man, this is preaching so good. I'm going to watch this back on YouTube. I'm doing some teaching here. His ways are higher than ways. That, his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So your standard of good is all the way down here. His standard of good is all the way. He is holy. He is a righteous judge. So his standard of good is absolute moral excellence. People will tell you, I'm a good person. Ask them if they lied before. What do you call a person that lies? Some of y'all don't want to say it because you are the one. Praise the Lord. I love you. I love you. I've been there too. I've been there too. I need Jesus too. I need you. You're good. Have you ever stolen anything irrespectable of their value? What, what do you call a person that steals? Uh-huh. Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery in your heart. I'm not going to look at you. I'm just going to look at the camera. You ask me, have you ever lusted after a person? That goes for men and women. Because Jesus said, see, his standard is you already in your mind, in your heart, you are already there. He said, that's as good as if you did it. See, we can keep going. These are the commandments I'm taking you through. Old covenant, the law. So what's happening here, let me bring it together. 
is he's letting, he's letting his people know, see these standards, as I keep going, give you 613 of them, you will never be able to reach this standard. But thank God for Jesus. Because Jesus stepped in. I don't think there's anyone in this place that could fulfill 613 laws. Y'all tell me, because I'm, I'm gonna have y'all pray for me. I'll be the first one to say, I've lied, I've stolen, I've done, listen man, I done, you name it, I've been there, I got the t-shirt with the name in the back of everything I did. Listen, I've been there, I've done that. But thank God for Jesus, that when we would have to face the day of judgment, he stepped in over 2,000 years ago and said, they're not going to have to pay the judgment. They're not going to have to pay for the wages. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. They're not going to have to suffer this. I will take on the sin of the world. I will take on the hurt of the world. I will take the pain of the world. I will take on the suffering of the world. And I will pay all of their debts. That's like going to court. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Me too. You've been there. And you have all these charges filed against you. Think about your life. All the charges against God. He's the righteous, holy judge. And imagine that you have to face a judgment and somebody steps in, Jesus steps in and says, I'll pay the fine. And the judge says, you are released, you are dismissed. How would you act? Imagine if you racked up a whole lot of debt in your credit card. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. And then, and, and I know we've all done it too. You ever, you ever knew that your, your, your car was on negative, but you still by faith trying to talk about, man, this might go through. This might go through. You never know in Jesus' name. This might go through. Y'all not going to keep it real with me. Lord, you, you, ever been una- you, you, you ever been unsure? Like it may or may not? It's just like, Lord Jesus, please let that. You ever, be- you ever been on a date? Y'all not going to keep it real with me. All right. Lord Jesus, please. (laughs) Imagine having thousands upon thousands of dollars in debt and somebody that you didn't know, somebody that you never did anything for, somebody that, hey, maybe, maybe someone you knew and you mistreated and they came and said, I will take away the debt. Let me pay it off. Not only will I pay it off, but I will accredit and put more into their funds and into their account. That's what Jesus has done. I don't know if you knew that. That's what he has done. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, the wages of sin is death. He paid the debt. And so here it is. Now we're in the book of Galatians. Is that the time I have? The book of Galatians. And he's saying, it's all about Jesus. Nothing. There's no works that can do it. It's completely trusting in him. It's turning our ways to him and completely trusting him. And when you do that, you will be able to experience. Let's go back to that scripture. Let me give you these three. Let me give you these three last principles of the aspect of the fruit of the spirit. He said, you will experience, say with me, faithfulness. Okay, say with me, everyone, faithfulness. Say gentleness and self-control. He said, I can give you that. The word faithfulness means the ability to serve God faithfully through the years, through the temptations of life, 
And it's not something that we can achieve by our own doing. It comes from the spirit. The word faithfulness derives from the same word. Obviously, where we get faith is the Greek word, which is pistis. And I never like to say the Greek words because some people, you know, they get into things about pronouncing Greek and all of that. But the reason I say is because the word pistis, which is the word for faith, is the same word that we get piston. And if you know, you ever work with cars or an engine, you know that a piston is part of an engine and it makes the engine function in other words everything in our life will move and function based on our faithfulness anybody need to be more faithful the 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 word faithful is a biblical word for consistent you ever heard that word consistent anybody need to be more consistent Okay, uh, so then I'm going to talk to you. The Holy Spirit will indwell you, will empower you, and will equip you if you let him to be faithful, to be consistent. If you're married, the Holy Spirit can help you be uh-huh. If you have a business that you are believing that God gave you that idea, that dream, he will give you the power, equip you to be faithful, to be consistent. If you have a dream of losing weight, God will help you. Be faithful to be consistent. If you rely on his Holy Spirit, he will enable you. He will give you the ability. He will give you the power. Without that pistis, the piston that makes the engine move, without faithfulness, nothing will move in your life. It will not move. It will stay stagnant. It will remain stuck. And so it is important for us to live a life that is faithful. God gives us faithfulness so that we can be faithful to him in our relationship. So we can be faithful in loving one another as a church. And here it is. Thank God for people that have been faithful in our lives. The reason he gives us that ability is because God is faithful. So he said, I'm going to put some of my DNA inside of you. Thank God that he's faithful. When we're faithless, God remains faithful. When we are weak, he remains faithful. Doesn't matter how the day is looking, the season we're in, he remains faithful. I don't know about you, but I get glad when I think about the faithfulness of Jesus. Anybody else that can say, God, thank you for your faithfulness. There was an old song that would say, great is thy faithfulness. God is faithful and he will equip us, enable and empower us to be faithful. Thank God for faithful people. Thank God for people that stick and stay. You know, because, because faithfulness is not a thing that is celebrated now. Can I keep it real? We, we celebrate people just going to the new trend and the new thing. But thank God for people that stick and stay even when things are bad. I want to thank God. I'm just going to go ahead and take a little praise break and thank God for my church, the people that have been with us from the beginning in the seasons where we didn't have AC, where we didn't have equipment, where we didn't have microphones, where we didn't have nothing but a whole lot of faith and we said, God, we are going to be faithful with whatever we have, whatever we face, we are, I feel like preaching in the house. God, I'm going to be faithful when things are... When things are bad, I'm going to be faithful. When I'm struggling, I'm going to be faithful. When I'm sad, God Almighty, I feel like preaching this thing. I will be faithful. When no one else lifts their hand, I'm going to lift my hand. When everybody else leaves, I will stay. Thank God for faithfulness. Thank God for people that don't move and are fickle because it's raining outside. It's raining outside, so I'm not in a good mood. 
Thank God for people that say whether it snows, whether it rains, whether it's burning outside. I'm speaking metaphorically. I'm talking about the people that don't leave you when you're broken, when you're down and out, when you don't have nothing to give. Thank God for Rabbah. Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place for the people that say I will stick and I will stay throughout everything that I go through. My God, I wish I had some people. Can I get people to wave their hand and say, Say, God, I want to be faithful. My God, I feel like preaching this thing. Y'all messing me up in this place. I will be faithful. I will be faithful. I will be faithful when everybody else leaves. I will be faithful when everybody else says I can't go any further. I will be faithful. Someone say, I will be faithful in your marriage. I feel like preaching this thing. I had two more points to go. In your marriage, you're looking, you're looking at some other people talking about if I was with them. Devil is a liar because your wife is missing a few things that you're seeing in other people talking about if I just had them. You don't know what it would be like. You'd be broke, busted, and disgusted if you were with them. Thank God for your wife. Thank God for your husband. I'm not angry at you. I'm just feeling the passion in this place. I'm just feeling this thing down in my spirit because we live in a generation that, it, that, that celebrates just moving to anything. How I feel, how I want to do things, I'm going to do it my way. God wants people that will be faithful when you don't have anything. When they let you go. When you can't provide. Will you be faithful? Looking at my timer. Someone say preach, pastor. Someone say preach, pastor. Is it all right? Is, is it all right that I'm preaching a little bit? Is it all right? All right. I just want to. I, I want to make sure y'all come back next week. I just want to make sure because y'all. Like, oh, but pastor was awesome. Y'all don't know. I just been. I just. I just been praying in this season. I've been praying in this season for God to surround me with faithful people that even when in the physical it seems like things are not going to happen, when it seems that it may be impossible, I'm praying for God to surround me with, with people that would say, Pastor, I believe in you. Pastor, I'm going to be with you. We're going to carry this mission together. We're going to serve God faithfully. We're going to do this thing together. Let me... Uh, let me move on to the last point. You'll have to come back or let's have a conversation after so I can give you the rest. There was gentleness and then there was self-control. In order for us to be faithful, in order for us to keep the engine moving, in order for us to be faithful to God and faithful to other people, we need self-control. Self-control. Huh. Anybody keep it real and say, Lord, I need self-control. The world knows something about self-control. Don't get me wrong. This is not just in the church. But more times than not, self-control in the world is for personal gain. So the world says, I will sacrifice. I will not sleep. 
I will deprive myself of eating. I will save even if I live off rice and beans every day. I will practice self-control. So at the end goal, I can have something for myself. But here's the thing, when it comes for biblical self-control, you refrain, you make sacrifices in order to glorify God and to reach people. See, someone has to be faithful and practice self-control in order for God's mission and his agenda to be advanced. And so his self-control is all for his glory. And so that type of self-control can only come about by the Holy Spirit, not in your flesh, not by your works, not by your deeds. Because self-control for the, for the glory of God is for the kingdom of God. It's not for self-gain or self-purpose. And so that type of self-control comes by the Spirit. That self-control is the ability to subdue one's impulses, emotions, behaviors in order to achieve longer-term goals. uh, Self-control is often known as willpower. Anybody know what I'm talking about, willpower? See, that's what the world calls it, willpower. Can I tell you, can, I, can, can we go Bible? Can I tell you from the Bible what willpower is? Let me tell you what willpower is in the scripture. Philippians chapter two, verse 13 says, for it is God who works in you the will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let me, willpower, let me tell you God's willpower. Acts chapter one, verse eight, for you will receive Power when the Holy Spirit, because it's a spiritual thing, comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. He gives you the will and he gives you the power through his Holy Spirit. That's God's willpower. And I'll close with this. It's so amazing in the scripture that uh, Jesus told a group of people this I'm getting ready to close he told a group of people I'm gonna die y'all live the sinless life perfect fulfill the law teacher of teachers healer of healers the most loving being you could ever imagine no one ever in history compared to him that even that even historians who don't serve Jesus know that there was a figure in history named Jesus of Nazareth who was all loving, did great works. They have one part right. They know about him in history. They just need to give his life to him because he was who he said he was. He said he made some claims. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He made these claims. No one goes to the Father unless it be through me. This powerful, amazing man. He said, but he also told them, I'm going to die. They're like, no, Jesus, you're doing, you're doing amazing things. He said, no, I must die because I got to pay the sin. I've got to pay the wages. I got to pay the debt off. And so he dies and he says, but guess what? After three days, I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to come back. And he said it and he did it. That's the kind of God I want to serve. <laughs> One that says it, but does it. He did it. But after he resurrects, they were in a dilemma because he says, I've got to leave again. They're like, no, man, you left us for three days. We didn't know what to do. He says, but ah, uh, here it is. I hope, you, I, hope, I hope y'all been catching it. Are you getting ready to catch this? He says, but I will leave you, John chapter 14, my Holy Spirit, my comforter. My very presence, I won't be in the physical, but my Holy Spirit, I will give it to you. 
will indwell you. And they said, that's all right. They had to wait some time to get it though. So the Bible says in Acts, they were in an upper room, the disciples, because they were just praying. They didn't know when the promise of the Spirit was going to come. So they were just praying, and they were fasting, and they would just be worshiping God. Amazing when people just devote their lives to Jesus and what they're able to experience, encounter. But people that, that, that don't get caught up with the things of the world and being pulled in all sorts of directions, but say, we want nothing more than God and his presence. It's so amazing. These people, they, they didn't want anything more than just wanting to receive that promise. So here it is. They're in the upper room. They're praying. They're fasting. They're doing all these things. And so, and so here they are. And then the Holy Spirit comes and fills that room. It was so powerful that it was felt tangibly what God was doing. Maybe you can identify, you ever been in the presence of God in your own time, in your car, in your room, in prayer, or maybe here at church, and you just felt something that you couldn't explain. You're like, why am I feeling this way? I'm feeling like tinglys in my heart. I don't know, why am I crying? Lord, what is going on? Why, Pastor Lifford, I never lifted my hand, but why is my, I feel like some pushing. Holy Spirit! <laughs> and here's the thing. Whenever you feel that thing and you suppress it, you break God's heart. The Bible talks, that, talks about that. It's called grieving the Holy Spirit. So when, when we're in a time of worship and you feel like God is moving in your heart and in your life, and you're like, no, not me, not today. No, God, you're breaking God's heart. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. So here he is, the promise comes, it was so powerful that it was felt, but this is what's most interesting. Acts chapter two, verse three, and there appeared unto them tongues like fire, and I love this, it says, and the spirit sat, interesting the language, sat upon each of them. Other translations, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Why in the world does it say that the Spirit sat on them? The Spirit rested on them. Holy Spirit, help me in this moment. Because there are moments that we will also need the Holy Spirit to sit on us. To restrain us. To refrain us. God, I want to go to that party. Holy Spirit, like, you better sit down. Y'all know what I'm talking about now? Y'all catching it? God, I wanna, but she just looking good. Holy Spirit, we need the Spirit to sit on us to practice self-control. Stay where you are. I'm helping somebody in this place. It's interesting the language, the Spirit sat on them because in the same way the Spirit has to often sit on us because we want to do things our way. We want to do it based on our emotions, but we need, we need the Spirit. We're going to do something crazy. Come here, come here, come here. We need the Spirit. Go ahead, brother. I don't weigh much. We need the Spirit to sit on us. Man. <laughs> But I want, God, I want to do things my way. And you start to fight him. God, I want to go this direction. God, I want to do that. He's like, boy, sit down. Hey, I hope you're catching it. 
God, the temptation. I just want to give in. Holy Spirit, sit on me. Anybody need the Holy Spirit to sit on some of the things in your life? I'm declaring in the name of Jesus that the thing that you are battling with, as you surrender, the Spirit of God will give you power. The Spirit of God will give you strength to overcome. Sit on me, Holy Spirit. Because when I want to cuss some people out, sit on me so I can refrain. When I want to do this this way, Holy Spirit. See, that's the thing. We go to everybody. We consult with everybody. And we leave God for last. My prayer for you is that you go to him first. Holy Spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Once again, much love and appreciation for listening to today's message. I'm so glad that you've been a part of the listening experience. But let me tell you, there's nothing like the live experience. It cannot be explained, only experienced. And so I encourage you to come out on a Sunday so you can listen to the messages live and be a part of a wonderful atmosphere within family and within community. You can find more information about our gatherings on our website at myhopecenter.org. Also, make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at My Hope Center. I also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified as soon as we upload content. Make sure to share it with your friends and your family. There's someone that you know that could really benefit from these messages. So make sure to spread the word about what's happening here on the Hope Huddle podcast. So again, I hope to see you soon. Until then, peace, love, and God bless.